Mini episode 1557 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1557. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here. And we have with us one of our favorite gentlemen for talking football. We're going to break down the College Bowl landscape here in 2022-2023. We're going to look at bowl season, the college football playoff, some of the other headlines going on. And when we do this, almost always on this show, uh, it is with the great writer from our sports central, Fran Stuckberry, and part of our FDH Lounge family of dignitaries here on the program. It's uh, great to have you on, as always, uh, Fran. There is so much going on right now, as there always is this time of year. Thanks, Rick. I'm very excited to be breaking down this ball season and other things have, that have happened lately in college football. Absolutely. And uh, there's a lot of headlines going on as far as the transaction page of the sports section right now, whether it be coaches moving hither and fro, the transfer portal, things like that. Uh, there are many of these major issues I know that have uh, caught your attention at this time. Oh, it's, it's been crazy. And there's over a thousand players in the transfer portal. Um, it's, it's absolute insanity. That's absolute insanity. It's, it's college football freaks at its worst. It right. is. It absolutely is. And now part of it, I never begrudge any player that's going to move when a coach does, because that's a very personal thing. A coach has recruited them to a program Coaches will pick up and leave at the drop of a hat and or they'll get fired. So you've, you've had a lot of that, and that is, that's not driving all of the movement in the portal. Not all of it, but uh, some of it here uh, with the movement that the coaches are having. Some of it is, and, and some of it is a uh, lack of playing time. Some of it's being benched. Uh, and look, at, look at Clemson, the, the Clemson quarterback. He's on the portal because he got benched, and now he wants to, you know, instead of sucking up trying to win your job back, they, they run to no school. Yeah, that's the way things are going these days. When you look at uh, the coaches that are uh, moving here on the old carousel, who are some of the winners and losers, you think, right now in terms of programs? Early call on this, call your shot on teams that came out ahead or behind. Uh, I'll start off with Matt Rule. I think that's a win, that's a win for Nebraska. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there are college coaches that go to the NFL. Um, we've seen that with Steve Spurrier, we've seen that with Bobby Petrino, we've seen that with a bunch of other coaches that bombed. But Matt, I mean, but Matt Rule, I mean, he's a program builder. Back in 2013 with Temple, they went 2-10. and 10. In 2015, they went 10-4. And, and in 2016, they went 10-3. When he went to Baylor, in 2017, 1-11. 2019, 11-3. It's going to be a slow build, but he'll get that. He'll get that. That, that program uh, built around. I give him credit. He he, he, he had like around 40, like 40 or 40, 50 million dollars um, with the, with the contract buyout with uh, with the Carolina uh, um, Panthers, and he um, he just sat back, relaxed, and chilled for a couple of years. But he jumped right back in coaching. I give him a lot of credit with that, Rick. Yeah, he did. He didn't have to on that. Uh, I know from talking to you off air. Uh, you, uh, like me, were kind of crinkling your nose a little bit at what Auburn did. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Hugh Freeze. I mean, he's had, 
handle like off field issues, escorts, um, you know, at uh, home. And Ole Miss recruiting violations. It's just, I mean, it seems like some coach. I mean, he went to Liberty. He, you know, redeemed himself. I, everyone's there a second chance. But the thing is, almost not. A school, look at the past coaches that they've had. They pull the plug in them so quickly. So Rick, it's just, uh, it's. I mean, the boosters won that school, Rick, and I, and I wouldn't want that job. No, and that's the whole thing. Winning the national championship or even going to the national championship game is no guarantee that you're going to be there, which is crazy. Because in order to do that, you got to get past Big Bad Bama. I mean, doing that even once, either of those things, should buy you a long, long leash. But, uh, yeah, no, I don't think that situation is going to end well, particularly when you look at the very crowded SEC West landscape. Because even somebody like Jimbo Fisher, with his past track record as a coach, as a national champion, as a great recruiter, the toughness of that SEC West division has been too tough for him. I think that'll be the case at Auburn as well. I definitely do. Um, another one I think um, in this college football coaching turn turntable is uh, Jeff Rom at, uh, yes. at Louisville. That's a winner. I mean, Rick, you know, back in 2001, I interviewed him when he played for the XFL Atlanta Rings. Yes. In 2015, he could have taken the job, but he didn't feel um, Louisville was at the level he wanted it to be. And the thing was, he did all he could at that big time. He was going to be a middle of the, of the pack team. Um, in Purdue. And the thing is, at Louisville, that's his alma mater. They have the facilities, they'll spend the money. And let's be honest, besides Clemson, the rest of the other teams in the ACC, it's, it's a free fall. And teams can, I mean, if you get the right coach and the right NIL and the right, uh, they could be a team competing for that ACC championship besides Clemson every year. I would agree with that. I was thinking of you when they made that hire. I know you're an OG Jeff Brom guy from back in the day. Big believer. You were touting him before anybody else was. So, yeah, you're the first guy I thought of when they made that hire there. Uh, everybody uh, seems to believe that uh, it's going to be a big win for Colorado doing what they did, not least of which because, hey, when's the last time Colorado's had anything positive to talk about? So they might as well go for Deion Sanders. I'm surprised he didn't hold out for a better school. I mean, this is a guy, he, he takes a lower echelon job in a power conference, I would have thought that a higher echelon job in a power conference, I mean, I'm not talking Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Georgia, I'm not talking that level, but I would have thought that something better than Colorado he would have held out for, but nope. Well, I think I think Rick, um, it could have been Cincinnati, but we know Luke Fickle yes. went there. That's a good, before we got on Colorado, that's a good hire for Luke Fickle. I mean, yes. he did all he did all he could with Cincinnati. They were never going to. You know, gets. I mean, with Wisconsin, they have the money and the resources. That's a good. That's a good hire for Luke Fickle. Cincinnati going to the Big Twelve. I, I, I think they would have plateaued. I think. I think that was a smart move to get out of there. Yeah, I think so. He did everything he could do there, and uh, it's funny that he, like Gary Patterson, kind of served his purpose. Right? He got him into the Big Twelve. Gary Patterson got TCU into the Big Twelve. It's not like they remembered that when the time came. We'll talk more about TCU later on. And again, they landed on their feet with Sonny Dykes. You can't hardly say that it didn't go their way, but as far as what the Pac-12 commissioner was talking about, as far as Deion Sanders' ability to help the entire conference financially, that absolutely is the case, because with what happened with Fickle at Cincinnati and Patterson at TCU, coaches can make a tremendous amount of difference in the business world for these schools. They definitely can. I mean, look, I don't your friends with me on Facebook, you're always, they're always selling Coach Prime merchandise. Yeah. So uh, it's the thing is, 
the Pac-12 is happy, it's going to put eyeballs on them with USC and UCLA leaving. Um, you know, they're, they're going to need some attention, and it might it might help with the TV going um, with the TV um, contract. It might help with getting you know getting Colorado some some decent you know you know games. So it might. The thing is. I mean, some people, you know, you know, are mad at him for leaving Jackson State. But at the same point, when you're a coach, you want to move up. I mean, he he did take them. He did um, coach them two years. He helped them generate a lot of money. He got them a lot of hype. I mean, thanks to him, college game day came there this past, um, this past year, and um, they're on the spotlight. So I can't begrudge a guy for trying to, to move up. I, I don't I don't begrudge that at all. Some some people say he's just you know he was like you know like he was car salesman using them because he had no coaching experience, and then he decided to and and, and and they decided to give him an opportunity, and now after two years he just bails on them. What do you think about that, Rick? I mean, I, listen, I think there's something, you know, to that, but it's a thing where I've never been the biggest guy. I mean, I've always respected his playing ability and now his coaching ability and recruiting ability, obviously. So, I mean, the guy's got, as they say, scoreboard, but I've never been the biggest Deion Sanders guy personally because I don't like that cult of me that he really kind of epitomizes that's come into, that's really become predominant in sports over the last 30 years or so. And he's one of the first guys you think of when you think of the cult of me. And when I look at what he did at uh, Colorado and that video that he put out of where he was basically openly inviting those players to join the transfer portal, basically telling the players he's inheriting that they should get out. It's one thing to say, hey, you're going to face competition. It's going to be tougher on you now. You may not want to be here. But the way that he did it, basically, I thought grandstanding at the expense of his incoming players. I didn't like that at all. And that's the kind of stuff I don't like about him personally. I mean the arrogance, the ego. I mean that's. I mean he, I think he has an entourage anytime he walks in the street. That's 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 just the way he comes across. And I'll be honest with you, I don't see them. I don't see them competing for Pac-12 championship anytime soon. I mean Utah is going to be dominating. Oregon's going to be dominating. Washington is going to be you know yeah. a team that's going to. I mean it's going to be dominating. I, I just don't see that. Any, I don't see that within the week. competing for for Pac-12 championship within three years. And the funny thing is, if his son. Um, you know, it was transferring to Colorado bombs. It's going to be a reflection that well, you know, he dominated, um, 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 uh, he dominated in FCS and in tanks and FBS. That'll be interesting to see what happens. Well, yeah, and uh, also again, and I know that FDH lounge dignitary Derek Joseph will like me pointing this out. Promising coaching hire at Arizona State. Uh, Chip Kelly's finally gotten it going at UCLA. They're legitimate. USC with Lincoln Riley, I think, first and foremost in the years ahead in this conference. So, yeah, ain't going to be easy uh, doing it there. The one thing I'm going to say, since I've bashed Deion Sanders, I always try to be fair if I know both sides on stuff. And I did hear that when he was at uh, Jackson State that there were promises made by the administration financially that weren't kept and that he personally shelled out of his own pocket for. I don't know if it was... a new facilities or things like that, but he dipped into his NFL money to pay for things at that school. So I will say bravo to him for, for anything that he did along those lines. I want to be fair. If I'm going to bash him for his ego and the way that I think he treats people and everything like that, then I have to put the other side of the coin out there when I know about it. So, you know. I think I think within the next maybe two years, they might be an 8-4 team, top, maybe 9-1 team tops. Um, another team in this Pac-12 Pac that's going to be, they're going to be competing with Oregon State. That, guy, that new coach has done a phenomenal job down there. Very, very, very sleeper season Oregon State's had. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be one of these things where 
I can't even believe I'm saying this, but we're going to be talking about, I think, the great depth of the Pac-12 the next couple of years, and that's without them even expanding, and that's with, uh, again, I know USC and UCLA, they're on borrowed time before they go to the Big Ten, they're short-term, but even without them, and even without formalizing any of this expansion, the Pac-12 is going to have really good depth. Hats off to them for that. That's not something we saw as recently as last summer. I definitely agree, and, and, and I feel like they can be, they can definitely dominate that Rose Bowl. Uh, you know, I mean, with, with with Utah, I mean, whoever whoever gets there, it's, it's not going to be a slam dunk for the Big Ten champion that gets there, Rick. No, that's true. That's absolutely true. And uh, yeah, so many interesting things going on right now, uh, and will be uh, throughout the course of uh, this time ahead. Uh, we're right in the heart of recruiting season as well, so. One of the things I really enjoy whenever we do this segment here is that uh, you've always got uh, unique and interesting thoughts on a lot of the bowls leading up to the college football playoff, which, of course, we're going to touch on. And that's the thing where, again, guys like me and you, uh, maybe it's that we're old school at this point, but we still get into that. We still like watching a lot of these bowl games for a lot of the other people out there. Oh, bowls are meaningless. Let's have a 248-team playoff. Uh." No, I like the bowls. I enjoy them. I'm not going to say I enjoy every bowl. But a lot of them I do, and you know a lot about them. So let's dip into that. Some of your thoughts on some of the more interesting bowl games of this year. Well, before we get into that, Rick, I want to say uh, fi- I, I think finally COVID-19 is behind us, Rick. Last year, five bowl games were canceled. Holiday Bowl, Military Bowl, Birmingham Bowl, Arizona Bowl, and Hawaii Bowl. So, yeah. I mean, teams flew out to these places and they got canceled. My NC State Wolfpack, they flew out to San Diego and UCLA canceled on them. Right. Um, East Carolina was going to be playing their first bowl game since 2015 at Military Bowl, and that got canceled. And they're going to, and they're going to the uh, uh, Birmingham Bowl against Coastal Carolina this year. So, so that's good. I mean, imagine me not going to a bowl game for seven years and then it gets canceled. So true. But, um, the one thing I will say is it's one of these things. The only exception I'm going to make on the whole boohoo thing is I don't think anybody was saying I got to go out to the Hawaii Bowl and it got canceled. If you're going to go anywhere and get canceled, you want it to be there. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's going to be, and then the Fenway Bowl got canceled. I wish, I wish you guys could um, um, bake beans or or some clam chowder. Yeah. So, uh, so. Oh yeah, a lot of yeah, very right. interesting matchups that we have here on tap, and uh, there there's a couple things where uh, I felt like the Bulls, you know, they, they put together a lot of good matchups, but uh, you know, in some of these cases, maybe they might have missed the more natural connection. I mean, for Duke to be returning to a bowl game and not go to the Duke's Mayo Bowl, I mean, there is an ACC tie right there. Fran could have been them, but uh, you know. There's there's so many different uh, interesting permutations across this bowl season. Well, let's before we talk about the major bowls, let's talk about some of the minor bowls first. Yep. Um, like first, um, Rick, I mean, there's a college, there's a little bit of a college basketball team here. You have schools that, that dominate college basketball. They are back to the bowl season. Yep. Connecticut, their first bowl game since 2015, they're playing in the Myrtle Beach Bowl, and one of those wins to get bowl eligible was against the uh, Mountain West champion Fresno State. Kansas, 6-6, six and six, got to a bowl game. College game day went there, yep. and they're playing in the Liberty Bowl. Duke's their first bowl game since 2018, and they're, and they're, and they're playing in the military bowl. Duke's the type of program, you go 6-6, six and, six and and you're walking on sunshine down there. Um, Illinois, which I consider more of a basketball school, is going their first bowl game since the Reliquest Bowl. Um, 
Um, that's that's the one the one in Tampa now. These bone name changes are crazy. But yep. New Mexico State, they were a twenty football under a couple weeks ago, and they beat Liberty forty nine to fourteen. Then they had to beg the NCAA for a waiver to get into, to get into the quick lane bowl. This will be their only their second bowl game since since nineteen sixty. So they're going to be mo- that team's going to be motivated there. So um, it's oh yeah. Be, so, so many different angles in some of these bowls. For example, uh, next week on national television, uh, December 17th on ABC in the New Mexico Bowl, uh, religious warfare returns to America. It's the, uh, it's the Mormons throwing down with the Methodists, BYU against SMU. Uh, so, uh, so many different uh, silly little angles uh, here. And uh, again, you, you go to look at uh, you know, some, some of the different combinations that have been put together, even a regional kind of a thing here. Fenway Bowl, aforementioned Louisville against uh, Cincinnati. That one's got to be fun. Well, they're, they're, they're going to be playing for that, for that bucket and nail scope. Um, they're they're, they're going to be playing for a trophy they haven't played for in years. Right? Yes. Yes. That's amazing to, to be able to have that happen. And that's where the Bulls, again, uh, for as much as a lot of people, a lot of new school people want to bash on the Bulls and what are the Bulls good for, once in a while they'll, they'll throw something like that out there at you. And uh, we talked about this off air a little bit here, uh, the Holiday Bowl with uh, North Carolina and Oregon and all the offense that you predicted. I know Fox is hoping that'll be the case because they'll be showing it uh, from Petco Park in uh, San Diego. And that's one where the Holiday Bowl, just year after year, they, they manage to come through. The Alamo Bowl as well. The Alamo Bowl always gets two of the uh, you know higher rated or higher thought of teams in the country they've done it again with texas number 20 texas number 12 washington so the bowls that usually come through like that i think are poised to come through again yeah i think they definitely will another game i want to add to that rick is the cheese bowl um yeah. oklahoma if, 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 if that was a 12 team playoff this year farsi would be on the fringe or, or made the playoff they're nine and three no almost six and six. The thing is with these bowl games, Rick, you gotta go with motivation. I think I I, I don't think Florida State's gonna be more motivated and they're gonna and they're gonna wanna be you know, go ten and three and get the following following season into a positive start. Oh yeah. I mean it's gonna be, you know, the ghosts of days gone by. Uh, you know, when you when you see these types of things here and uh it it's just uh you know, Florida State and Oklahoma, you know, and I mean it's one of these things where you could say the same with the Gator Bowl, uh, Notre Dame against USC, but it is the other USC. It's South Carolina. Albeit that USC finished the year a lot stronger than the team in Southern California did. Oh, they, they definitely did, Rick. No doubt about that. Uh, my Ohio Bobcats are uh, going to uh, the uh, Arizona Bowl to play the Wyoming Cowboys, apparently only streamed on Barstool Sports. I'm not a Barstool Sports guy, so I'll be looking for uh, an illegal stream somewhere if that one hit me up, Internet. And uh, just, uh, again, a lot of, lot of great combinations out here. Uh, you know, when you, when you get a little bit closer to, uh, to New Year's Day, uh, that's where uh, it really starts to get real as oh, well. Well, well. Well, Rick, you're not going to like this, but um, when my, my people playing ball mania, avoid uh-huh. most of the MAC teams. They, you know, in the, based on the history, Rick, maybe you, maybe I'm wrong, but a lot of uh, MAC teams don't do well in ball games. I, hopefully, your Ohio Bobcats will be different. I but, hope so. I hope and, so. And and one game I want to touch base on is that Citrus Bowl, LSU Purdue. Um, Purdue, you know, they they lost their coach, and I think Brian. That's a game where LSU is going to be extremely motivated to, to win. They've had a good season, you know. They you know 
they had a disappointing loss to AM, but they're, they're going to be they're, they're going to be so bad. I think the Brian Kelly's going to get a team very motivated, and they're going to clobber Purdue in six ball. Absolutely, I I would agree with that. And then, uh, like I said, uh, some some of the better games seem to be right in the lead up to uh, New Year's, uh, December thirty first, uh, the Music City Bowl, uh, Kentucky and Iowa. That one really looks like it's going to be, uh, you know, a very, very interesting one. They're both seven and five, but they have a little bit of a different vibe to them. I mean, Stoops has Kentucky on what seems to be kind of an upswing, even if the seven and five record uh, is a little bit of a disappointment based on the way that their, their second half of this season, if you will, first half, second half, big difference. Iowa at seven and five, it just seems like just another Kirk Ferentz year. Albeit they have just about the worst offense in the country, thanks to his son. <laughs> and, and, and Kentucky's quarterback declared the NFL draft, and once again, another quarterback's not playing in a bowl game. Yeah, yeah, that's unfortunate. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to go bash the kids the way that some of the people do. I'm not going to bash them because they don't want to get hurt. Look what happened to Matt Corral in that, in that Sugar Bowl last year. I don't blame the kids for not playing, but the yeah. same point, it's just... It's just, I mean, it makes taking these ball games even impossible because now you have a quarterback that hasn't played all season. Like even like um, the Western Kentucky quarterback, he's on the transfer portal, and now he's not in that. It's just the list goes on and on with that stuff. And but one more ball game I want to touch base on. Um, briefly, we haven't spoken on on, on, on Friday, seven sixteen, the triple Troy versus UTSA. Conference USA versus Sunbelt champ. That's going to be a great game. That's a sleeper bowl game that a lot of fans should watch and enjoy. I mean, I wish the group of five teams, Rick, would, would have bowl games like this. It, people would watch them. They'd be entertaining, but we shall see. I agree. I totally agree, Fran, because there are not many games out here uh, that have uh, two teams that are in the top 25 playing one another. And I, I think... Any, you know, Joe average fan on the street, zero out of 100 would be able to name the Cure Bowl as one of the handful of bowls this year matching up top 25 teams. Uh, but again, it's it's a short list. You, you know, you, you got that one, number 25 UTSA, number 24 Troy uh, in Orlando on December 16th. And then you got to go all the way down to the Alamo Bowl, of aforementioned at the Alamo Dome. December 29th, Texas and Washington. Uh, the Gator Bowl, as we said, uh, Notre Dame and uh, the other USC. And that's it. That's it, Fran. So the Cure Bowl is one of the most significant ones as far as the ratings, uh, the, the rankings of the teams. Yeah, I mean, it's, it'll, be, it'll be a game fun to watch. And like I say, it's just, I mean, looking at, looking at these bowl games, I, I mean, the thing is, Rick, I mean, some, some of these bowl games on paper come up bad, but they can be compelling games. And then and then, people, then I'm going to be posting on Facebook, Rick, uh, it just proves there's not, um, there's, not too, there's not too many bowl games because uh, you have to, some of these games are compelling games. Uh, even the Pinstripe Bowl in um, Syracuse, Minnesota, you're going to have a lot of Syracuse fans, Syracuse fans there. And it's a team I'm probably going to pick just for kicks in my, when I'm playing bowl mini. I think Syracuse might be, might be a little bit more motivated to show the world that they can you know, move up in the ACC. Absolutely. And one of the other things, too, one, one of the fun bowls to watch from time to time uh, is that, uh, and, and it's so funny because of uh, when they talk about everything with the Rose Bowl and when the sun sets and everything like that during the game, it's not exactly a matter of the sun setting and everything like that because it is a little earlier in the afternoon, but every year, it's on December 30th this year as opposed to the 31st because of the timetable of college football playoff, the Sun Bowl in El Paso, 2 o'clock. That is one of those things where when it gets to 5 o'clock, 5.30, whatever, the sun's not exactly 
setting because it is, I think, central time, but a little darker there. It's just a fun atmosphere for watching a game. And they always seem to have two teams that are at a very interesting place in time with their program. This year, it's number eight. Or I'm sorry, not, not number eight. They're eight and four, I should say. There's a big difference between number eight and eight and four. Eight and four, Pittsburgh, and number 18, UCLA at nine and three. That just seems like an intriguing game. Well, UCLA, I, I think I think with that game, I would give, I would give UCLA. I think UCLA wants to is, more, is getting more motivated. That's with these bowl games. I think Chip, I think Chip Kelly's going to want to win 10, 10 games. Pittsburgh, we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens. But I, I, I think I expect. I mean, the and the Pac twelve has had has, 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 has had a lot of teams ranked this year. So they're. I think they're going to. I'm going to picking a lot of Pac twelve teams to, to win some winning some of these bowl games. Yes. And uh, that's one where it could definitely happen. And, and I do think when the sun is hanging a little heavier in the sky over the uh, the mountains in El Paso there at the end of the game, I do think it might be UCLA uh, winning that game. So we move to the college football playoff. And I'm going to say at the outset here, this you're going to hear me say something I would never normally say. Because normally, if the committee would have gone for the money grab, I'd be screaming my head off with it. And uh, I'm, they didn't do the money grab, and I'm actually saying they got it wrong because based on USC choking and TCU choking, in my mind, TCU had to be undefeated to make it, and they weren't. And USC had to have just one loss to make it, and they didn't. I'm not saying that uh, Ohio State and Alabama are deserving per se, and I'm only saying Alabama because Hendon Hooker is hurt for my Tennessee Vols, otherwise it should be Tennessee in the four spot, but I'm saying it should have been, in my estimation, one Georgia, two Michigan, three Ohio State, four Alabama. I think that the national semifinals should have been set that way. Michigan, Ohio State, two in the Fiesta Bowl, Georgia, Alabama in the, uh, uh, the Peach Bowl, since we didn't get it in the SEC championship game anyways. And, I mean, you could have just printed money with that. And, like I said, under normal circumstances, I'd be cynical and I'd be saying, what a money grab by the committee. But this year I'm saying the opposite. The money grab that was there was actually, I think, the right way to go. Uh, I, I agree. I, I definitely agree with you, Rick. But, like you said, uh, you know, I think people would get tired of seeing Alabama in there. I, just, I honestly think I think people would get tired of seeing Alabama in, you know, being in the, in the, in the college football playoff. And plus, the two losses they had, I'm like, you know, they blew it. I mean, I just feel like uh, sure. I, 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 I mean, sometimes I, I, I think the committee got so it's great because I felt like if TCU um, played a close game, they were going to get in because they because they've had so many last second unbelievable games and they've you know and you know and they um and they pulled it off. I mean that game. That walk-off game where they keep the game with a field goal where they run the kicking team on the field was an amazing, stressful, but wasn't stressful for them. That's true, yeah. And that's and, and again, I'm not going to say Ohio State and Alabama were deserving. I, mean, I was pretty uh, dis- disgusted after watching the Ohio State-Michigan game. Again, my dad's an Ohio State alum, had season tickets forever. I've been to countless games at the Shoe. I, I was completely disgusted. And I, I can't say as somebody who... Uh, you know, would like to see good things uh, happen for them, even if I find, you know, a lot of the Ohio State fan base goofy and a lot of other things like that. Still would like to see good things happen for them. I don't know that an immediate rematch with Michigan after what just happened would be in their best interest. Uh, but uh, again, I don't think it's in their best interest. Everybody in Ohio has such amnesia now about the Michigan game. And it's just like, oh, we got Georgia. We're going to go get Georgia. I'm like, did you not watch the way that you got exposed there? And this is something I haven't said on the show previously because it took me a while to come to this definitive point of view. 
and I hate to say this because he's a nice kid, a quality kid, seems to have more character than just about anybody else in college football as far as the players go, but C.J. Stroud's not a big-time quarterback. I think he's going to get exposed in the pros. The tight butt cheeks that that team plays with, it emanates from Ryan Day, and it emanates from him. And I just, again, they got to go in there loose, uncharacteristically so, maybe pop some lewds before the game or whatever, go in there like Michigan did. Because Michigan, once they couldn't run the ball against them with their star running back being hurt, it was like, okay, we're just going to close our eyes, throw the football in the air, and hope for the best. And it turns out Ohio State never game planned for them to actually, you know, pass the ball. So they were successful that way. If Ohio State goes in there like they got nothing to lose, the talent on both sides is very close. And Ohio State has a scenario. But it all goes down to the mindset. If they don't go in there with a radically different mindset than they have had for most of the last two years, they are screwed. I definitely agree. I mean, like we know this... This entire six weeks, everyone's going to be singing "Doubting Ohio State, Doubting Ohio State." I think, I think Georgia's going to win, but, but I think, I think, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be, a, I think it's, I think it's going to be a close game. I think Ohio State's going to keep it close. I mean, I just, I just feel that Ohio State's going to be so, you know, so driven to prove people wrong and not get embarrassed on TV. Yeah, and here's the thing too, and here's what's funny is that the odds makers again, man, the entire matter of this, the the people that are sophisticated in their understanding of this like you and I, understand they're looking for equilibrium. That's how the sports books make their money. They want it as close to 50-50 on both sides, so they lap up that sweet, sweet, sweet juice from the losers. And I was very intrigued to see what that line was going to be because based on some of the whispers I'd heard, the instinct by a lot of the casinos was to go closer to three, three and a half, just looking at the talent on paper and taking sort of the sharp point of view. But you know, I know, and everybody's grandma knows there would have been a stampede of money on Georgia if it was at three, three, three and a half. So setting it at about seven, I think it's more or less stabilized at that point there. So they did their job. They were pretty smart. If the line hasn't moved much either way, it shows you that they got it right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm actually unsure as to whether or not Georgia will cover. You put a gun to my head, I think they will. But I think Ohio State does have the chance to keep it close. And like I said, go for what most people would consider to be a miracle right now. Again, it certainly wouldn't be a miracle in terms of the talent that's there. But in terms of what people are expecting coming off of the year Georgia's had defending their title, coming off of the brutal Ohio State-Michigan game, the consensus is that it would be a miracle, but the scenario's there. But I don't know if Ohio State can will themselves into this, we got nothing to lose kind of a thing. Or maybe they will because they legitimately got nothing to lose. It can only get worse if they get stomped again. It'd be embarrassing, but like you say, Rick, honestly, it's not going to matter because college football playoff will get in. That Michigan-Ohio State game, um, the, the when, it's, when, it, when it gets in and the loser gets in. So we'll talk about that another year from now. Yes, yes. And, that's, and we knew that could happen, by the way. Watching that game, there was the chance that both of them were going to get in just because of everything else. But the way that USC was looking and the way TCU was looking, it was looking like they were going to handle their business, but neither team did. And uh, in the case of TCU, it ends up being a situation where they make it in anyways in the Fiesta Bowl against Michigan. And I just think, you know, I know you said before, everybody in the country's got Alabama fatigue. I mean, it's not like I don't. But again, the numbers don't lie. I mean, Alabama in big game situations, that's a draw. And it's a situation where 
TCU, I think had they run the table, I think there would be legitimate uh, excitement right now. I think it would be a thing of like, okay, here's this team. Nobody saw them coming as far as running the table, and Sonny Dykes has done a tremendous job there in a short period of time, and up against a reestablished national power in Michigan. I think that would have had a lot of juice. I think TCU, once they blew it, once they've shown that they can be beat, Michigan can be beat also. There's no question about it. And uh, I, I actually thought Ohio State would, and I thought they would cover. They made me look pretty dumb. Michigan can be beat, and I think will be if they get to the point of playing Georgia. But in a game like this, I mean, I, I lean Michigan. Once again, I don't, I'm not exactly sure if they can cover it or not. I think that line might have been a little bit of a reaction towards the, the extent of TCU kind of collapsing and the poor play calling at the end there. But uh, this, this is a game with a lot less intrigue. This is the game you knew was going to be the early one. The Fiesta Bowl will be slotted at 4 o'clock versus the Peach Bowl at 8 o'clock on New Year's Eve, both of them on ESPN. So thoughts on the Fiesta Bowl and uh, how these two teams match up? What? I think Michigan's, Michigan's going to win, win big. I think uh, TCU ran out of gas. And, 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 the, you know, and the funny thing was, uh, TCU lost to Kansas City team. That Rick, remember when we, when we did our, our first college football podcast? I said, um, keep an eye out for Kansas State. And you won the Big 12 championship. Yes. I'm right once again. Yes, you did. And this is one of these things where you go back at, over a period of time. The college football playoff has been around long enough since 2014. And we haven't had too many upstarts that have made it in there. But when the upstarts make it in, it ain't a great track record. I mean, the worst of any of them was another time this was on New Year's Eve. It was the Cotton Bowl. It was the game that pretty much made the college football playoff reverse itself on always wanting to go New Year's Eve because it was such a massacre. The ratings were so in the toilet. They were like, okay, it'll only be New Year's Eve when New Year's Eve is a Saturday night, like it is this year. I'm referring, of course, to 2015 Alabama and Michigan State. And Michigan State was like, oh, this is a refreshing situation here. We've got a team that's not one of the traditional blue bloods. Yeah, you saw why, 38 to nothing. And then last year with Cincinnati, it was a thing where they didn't get massacred, but they got beat solidly, okay? So, I mean, this is what we're looking at with TCU. I agree with you in this sense, that when anybody kind of comes from nowhere, it is not a promising thing. None of those teams have made it as far as even the championship game. Yeah, so I, I expect to have an, um, a Georgia-Michigan national championship, and that's going to be a very interesting game. Only, remember a couple of years ago, we were talking to our podcast, and uh, everybody was running Jim Harbaugh out the door, and now he's the savior, and now they're begging him to stay here and not go the, take the L.A. Chargers job if they come knocking. Well, and that's what's interesting that you're saying the Chargers. I hadn't heard that. There is... I'm going to say this, and I was told this. I, I am not somebody that really listens to uh, especially local terrestrial radio. Uh, I, I may listen to some national stuff from time to time, but not even that as much. But uh, So this is something I was told, because I don't, I don't spend time with local terrestrial radio. Told by a friend at the morning show on one of the stations here, one of the sports stations, it's like, Jim Harbaugh and I have mutual friends, and he's going to the NFL. So one of the local jocks is swearing on a stack of Bibles that sounds like that it's going to happen. I just assumed Indianapolis with her say. But, you know, you're, you're mentioning the Chargers. That's the first I'd heard that rumor. Uh, well, Rick, Rick, he's not going to go anywhere. Doesn't have a, you need a quarterback to win. The Colts don't have a quarterback, so your guy is dead wrong. You tell him if he goes to the Colts, um, you know, um, you'll, you'll treat him to dinner. And, and if he doesn't, 
you teach you the dinner. Go well, it, it, it's my friend passing it along from what he heard on the radio. I, I don't, uh, I'm, I'm not, oh, okay. I'm, I'm not even an acquaintance of the guy who's claiming this, but yeah, no, that I agree with you on. Listen, I just assumed Colts. This guy isn't saying Colts. The local radio jock isn't saying Colts. He's just saying NFL. I assumed Colts because I know Ursay's going to be coming hard for somebody. But it's a thing where, and again, the Chargers job isn't open yet. But it's a thing where there's just, side note on that, I'm just going to go down the cul-de-sac briefly on the Chargers. Like, this is a commonality throughout their history because I, I I had a friend mention something about Justin Herbert a couple days ago. I'm like, yeah, but if you go back, it's Fouts, it's Rivers. Like, the entire history of the Chargers, no matter what city they're playing in, is a team where you think they're going to go further than they do. This is not recent, Fran. True. So that, I, that, I, don't know if, true. I don't know if anybody can change that. And they're the secondary team in their own building, which doesn't help. But, yeah, uh, that's, definitely, that's definitely true, but I mean, as far as like, uh, I think with now with Harvard building at um, at Michigan, it's not going to be obviously winning winning every year, but it's not. No offense to you, to your Buckeyes, I don't. I, I think if he stays here, I mean, I, I don't see him. I don't. I don't see Ohio State being the king ten every single year. Here's the thing, though, and this is what can happen for Ryan Day because everybody's looking at the externalities. Or, or not so much the externalities, I was going to say the, the internal stuff here, but I'm going to focus on the externalities. People are looking at what Ohio State has to do differently to beat Michigan. But externalities. Let's go back to a man named Lloyd Carr. Lloyd Carr was the most celebrated, beloved man in the state of Michigan, as long as John Cooper was coaching at Ohio State. When Jim Tressel went there, uh, eventually Lloyd Carr got ran out of there. So Lloyd Carr... Depending on who had the other job, he was either a hero or a goat. Right now, Ryan Day is a goat with two butt kickings in consecutive years against Michigan. But who are they going to replace Harbaugh with? That's the if they have to. If they have to, I'm saying, and that's been the conundrum the last couple of years. And honestly, I think that's the only reason Harbaugh didn't get run is because there weren't any obvious candidates out there, and there won't be again if Harbaugh leaves for the NFL. So Ryan Day becomes the luckiest man in America. He becomes maybe the reverse of Lloyd Carr and starts winning these games again, if that happens potentially. But how this goes for Michigan here at the end, I agree with you that I think it's going to be Michigan and Georgia in the national championship game. That will be in the city of Los Angeles uh, at SoFi on uh, January 9th. It's going to be weird having a major college football game in that area and not having it be either in the L.A. Coliseum or the Rose Bowl, but money talks. The pro stadium gets it. And there's been a little bit of revisionism coming out of the Michigan program in recent weeks, like, oh, well, last year we were just happy to be there, and that's why Georgia beat the crap out of us. Like, I don't think it's as simple as that, folks. I really, really don't. I, I think Michigan is going to come in having learned lessons if they play Georgia. I think there are going to be things they take away. I think the game's going to be closer. But again, everything comes back to recruiting here. And Georgia is one of the few elite recruiting schools in the country. Michigan is not. They've been much improved the last couple of years. But the talent on the field is going to tell the tale right there. I don't know what the line would be for such a game, but my guess is Georgia would not dominate them, but probably would cover. Uh, I, I, it'd be a fun game to watch. I, I see, I see, it, you know, going into fourth quarter being a close game, Rick. I, I, I would think Georgia would repeat and be um, 
you know, I mean, repeat as national champions. But, um, yeah, but one thing I want to touch base on, which we missed on, were the other New Year's Six games, which we, have, uh, we Let's haven't do that. discussed briefly. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Orange Bowl, Clemson, Tennessee. Clemson, you know, has a quarterback. They, they, they're going to want to spotlight. Look for Clemson to kill Tennessee. I, I know you uh, – <laughs> with Tennessee's back quarterback, Orange versus Orange. My eyes are going to be broken out on TV, Rick. Orange versus Orange, it's going to be bugging out. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Cotton Bowl, which will be, uh, a, you know, Tulane, USC. USC, we don't even know if Keanu Williams is going to be playing that game. And Tulane, they're going to be motivated. I mean, you know, they're, yep. they're, the, they're the Cinderella team. I think Tulane's going to win that game. They very well might. And it wouldn't be that big of an upset based on the kind of year they've had, number 16 versus number 10. Again, the New Year's Six games, going back to what we said before, of course these are all top 25 teams against one another. Tulane is the lowest rated, actually, at number 16. Uh, they are the representative of the group of five conferences. Uh, you have the Rose Bowl with uh, number 11, Penn State, against number 8, Utah, in of the traditional spot that the Rose Bowl wants so much, 5 o'clock on New Year's, uh, well, not New Year's Day, the legal holiday, January 2nd, which is the way that this always goes. Uh, of course, the Sugar Bowl with uh, Big 12 SEC, number 9, Kansas State, number 5, Alabama. I, I think Kansas State probably comes in with more motivation in this game. Alabama can be flat in the games that they don't have anything, quote-unquote, to play for. So you could see that yet again here. So uh, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it was shocking if Kansas State wins, but I think Alabama. I think Alabama. I think Alabama may want may win that game. Um, as far as the Rose Bowl, man, that's gonna be an awesome game. I mean, the last the last year's Rose Bowl was awesome. It's kind of like uh, that was. I mean, I mean the um, Utah and that's gonna be an awesome, that that game is always an, that's always gonna be an awesome game to watch. I think Utah is gonna win that game. Maybe USC twice this year. I mean, they have a chance to be dominating the Pac-12 for a long, long time when USC leaves. Yeah, they, they have a very, very strong program. And again, just the depth in that conference is is absolutely incredible. And I'm looking ahead here on the schedule because this is one of these weird-ass things of where I am not seeing that uh, there is a night game on January uh, 2nd. Usually it would be the Sugar Bowl going last or whatever. So is this going to be a deal? Oh, I think it is. Monday night football following the yeah. Rose Bowl. Yeah, the way it is, that's why. Is it really? Oh yep. man, what? A, well, this is what happens when the NFL plays deep into uh, January here. So basically, the power triple header of the day for ESPN is going to be two pro, uh, one NFL with a Cotton Bowl, Rose Bowl, and then Monday night football. That's. Well, we're in a world where there's going to be some things that are going to take some getting used to, and there's only going to be more and more of that in a year to come. We'll spend some time subsequently, maybe sometime soon, breaking down this new 12-team playoff because that's going to be revolutionary. Yeah, and the thing is, Rick, when the NFL game got flexed, they had to, they had to move to Las Vegas well, earlier because the Raiders games you know, you know, got, got flexed. Um, and, 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 so, so they had to move the game a little bit early, start earlier instead of starting later. Okay, okay, well, that's the kind of stuff that's going to happen here with all of these things. And again, you know, you didn't even have uh, an NFL team in Vegas a couple of years back. They used to play it out of, what is it, Sam Boyd Stadium, used to play it out there. Instead oh, of my, in the, oh, my mistake, yeah, the Las Vegas, well, yeah, Florida, Oregon State got, got, got moved to um, 215 our time, and they, and they, and they moved the, um, the New Mexico ball to, um, to uh, 730 because, because, because the, 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 the game flexing. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right, because... Uh, 
Yeah, because normally it would be the Las Vegas Bowl in primetime, I think, rather than the New Mexico Bowl. Yeah, exactly, so, yeah. Uh, I'm sure ABC was thrilled about that, huh? Losing uh, Oregon State, Florida, and getting BYU-SMU. But, uh, you know, you get what you get as far as the way the schedule breaks here sometimes. But uh, a lot of stuff to uh, look at here in this bowl season, and nobody better to do it with than you, Fran Stuckberry. I hope everybody checks out your great coverage, always at our Sports Central. Uh, thank you, as always, for making time, buddy. Uh, thanks, Rick. I appreciate that. And we'll get you back on soon here. Like I said, we'll be talking uh, the, new, the new structure of the college football playoff, XFL, all the uh, issues that you end up covering. We'll keep covering them with you right here on the show. Thank you, Fran. And thank you, thanks. everybody, for checking out FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1557.